The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show. Wow. Talk about a turnaround. Quick, quick turnaround to get from the Patriots Roundtable to this show, but uh, I'm really glad that I've got uh, this scheduled for tonight because I've been trying to get Mark Anthony on the show for a long time. He was on a couple of years ago. Uh, one of the first guests I think Jason Hawes and I had when we started the program back, uh, I don't know, 2016, 2017, one of those. He was right in the beginning there somewhere. And he's just a terrific guy and a terrific guest, and he's, his books are amazing as well. Tonight we're going to talk about his new book called The Afterlife Frequency. The scientific proof of spiritual contact and how that awareness will change your life. This promises to be a terrific, terrific conversation. It's going to be a great uh, uh, interview, and I'm looking forward to talking to Mark. So we're going to go to a quick break here, and when we come back, I'll have Mark on the line, and we will get started. It's beyond reality. Don't go away. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month, less than a dollar, goes a long way in helping us produce this program, provide great interviews for you during the course of the week. I thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Be sure to subscribe, like, share, do all of those things. I have to take a second just to thank everyone who's listening to the program as a podcast. Uh, I've said it before, but it's amazing to me how many times the show is being downloaded in the podcast form. It's available on all major podcast distribution platforms, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, but it's like 10,000 times a day. So thank you to so much. Thank you so much to all the folks who enjoy the show that way. And of course, thank you to everybody who does, does enjoy it live as well, because the chat room is a great source of inspiration as I talk to terrific people like our guest tonight. Mark Anthony's been on the show before. It's been quite a while, but he's a psychic. He's a lawyer. He's a best-selling author. His new book is called The Afterlife Frequency, The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. Mark, welcome back to Beyond Reality. So great to have you here again. Thanks, JV. It's an honor to be back. I have to tell you, the title itself of the new book is, I mean, it's almost the kind of title that, that kind of, that'll send a little shiver down your spine while putting a smile on your face at the same time. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, um, the way the title came is very interesting because, you know, I, I'd written the, the manuscript and my publisher, uh, New World Library Publishing, they had the book and we had a couple different working titles and... I decided one day to go for a walk on the beach, and I'm walking, and I'm like, well, what should I call this? Because I didn't really like the working titles, 
I said, well, it's about the afterlife, and it's about frequency, and all the go, it's the afterlife frequency. <laughs> and and it, just, it just hit me. And I called the publisher, and they said, we love this. And so, you know, we're, we're running a check on it. Nobody has used that name before, and I feel that because it was supposed to be the title of this book. Well, some, something about it, you know, when I received my copy, and thank you for having that sent, by the way, uh, it immediately felt warm to me. I felt as though I've known this book all my life when I just saw it the first time I opened up the package. So something about that title resonates, and not to use a pun here. Well, I, I appreciate that. And the thing is, it should because the, the afterlife frequency is is different than books written by other mediums, and here's why. It's not just about communicating with spirits as a medium. It's all the different forms of interdimensional communication. And JV, that's what I call um, any contact that a person has with a spirit. And it can be through a medium or it can be a direct experience. Let's say you have um, a visitation in a dream and you have a conversation with a deceased loved one and it feels real because it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. What if you have a near-death experience? and which are, are so widely reported. And what about a deathbed vision? Somebody who is actively dying and their loved ones are around them and the person dying begins to talk about seeing spirits of loved ones on the other side and people in close proximity to that person also pick up on those and experience that. So I started analyzing the different forms of interdimensional communication, and JV, traditionally, they've been treated as separate items. It's like, you know, a salad bar. It's like, okay, near-death experiences are over here, mediumship's over here. It's not like that at all. They all have a common denominator. They're all based on energy uh, transfer and frequency alignment, and there are similar principles relating to all of them all of which can be explained through quantum physics. And so that's one of the main reasons I wrote The Afterlife Frequency. When you use the words quantum physics, I get a little bit apprehensive because that's that's above my pay grade. I, I don't completely even understand how it all works. But if I had to break this down in, in somewhat of a more layman's approach, and we talk about communicating with this other side, with the spirit realm, with whatever it is, what are we in fact talking about? Are we talking about communicating with departed loved ones, as one way to put it, or are we talking about com- communicating with some type of greater uh, consciousness that that is uh, a fabric that everybody is connected to? Or maybe I'm just using words that don't make any sense. Actually, you're, everything you said made sense, and we're talking about all of the above, and and because everything you're describing are different forms of interdimensional communication. Here's the thing about my book. Um, This is a spoiler alert for for the audience. Do not expect a dry technical read, okay? Um, I'm I'm an attorney. I, I suffered through too many boring books in law school and in the practice of law, and I promise I'm not inflicting that on anybody. And so when we hear about quantum physics, you know, it's not above your pay grade, JV. It's not above anybody's because we all learned in school that everything's made of molecules. Molecules are made of atoms. Right. We know that atoms are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons. And thanks to quantum physics over the last uh, century, century and, and a quarter, 
we know that electrons, protons, and neutrons are in turn made from a smaller component, uh, a quantum. Okay, for the physicists listening, yes, an electron is technically a quantum because it's one eighteen hundredth the size of a proton. All right, so I got to say that so I don't we don't get sticky physics, you know, people. But what this means, JV, is that everything, everything in our dimension, in our material world, on the subatomic level, is electromagnetic energy. See, traditionally, science has been split into physics and biology. Biology being the study of organic matter, living things, and physics being the study of inorganic matter and energy. But on the subatomic level, everything is same particle of electronic, uh, electromagnetic energy. You, me, the air we're breathing, the light that we see, the radio waves that the show is being broadcast on, the, the grains of sand on the beach all the way to the nuclear reactions in the sun. When you start thinking about that, that's how we're all energetically interconnected. So when a loved one dies, physically the body stops functioning, but who and what we are which is a term that we can discuss um, after the break, um, that I call the electromagnetic soul. Um, who and what we are doesn't die. It simply is, is energy that transfers to a higher frequency. And so what you said in your question, are we just communicating with a deceased loved one or a greater power? It's all of that. And so that's what I'm explaining in the afterlife frequency, but I'm doing it in a way that anybody can understand and I illustrate it with stories that people can relate to. Mark, you've been doing this for a while. You've you've been, you know, very insightful. You've written about a lot of this already. You know, you've talked about a lot of these things. What was the epiphany here? What was the difference in the afterlife frequency that maybe you feel like moved your work forward in some measurable way? Well, it's a story that's not in the book. And, and I purposely did not put it in the book because I knew I would be, I, I would need to explain it on, on shows like this one. Um, my best friend, I met him when I was 11 years old. We went to junior high school, high school, college together. And after college, I went to law school, and then he, he went to Asia. And he um, learned how to speak Japanese, Cantonese, uh, Thai, and Indonesian. His name was Billy, and, and he was like my brother. I mean, he, he was just one of those friends that, that you're lucky if you get one of them in life. And, uh, in fact, Chapter 1 of the Afterlife Frequency is one of our adventures, and I, I stress adventures um, very heavily in, in Thailand. <laughs> um, and let me tell you, if things had gone wrong, I wouldn't be sitting here explaining this right now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but, but um, in, in, he was an atheist. And clearly, I'm not. Right. And so over the course of our lives, we had this discussion about the afterlife. And he said, I don't believe in any of that. And, and when we were in Asia, and I'm going, you know, we go to all these Buddhist temples, and I'm always having conversations with the monks, and I was, like, really into uh, studying, because that's what I do. I travel around the world, and I study um, mystical and spiritual phenomenon. And I remember him saying, I don't understand how you do the psychic thing, and he said, but there's no science and there's no technology to, to prove this. And then I remember performing his wedding ceremony. He met this beautiful woman from Japan. And, and you know, JV, I was standing there um, 
this is one of those shining moments in my life. There's my best friend, and he's marrying my, my new best friend. Right. And my parents were there, his parents, all of our friends from college from the time we were little kids. It's one of those really happy memories, okay? And, and it was like such an honor. Well, about two and a half, three years after that, he succumbed to suicide. Ooh. Yeah, and let me tell you, it was talk about a dagger in the heart. Yeah. And, and, um, I did not uh, expect that turn in this story. No, and I was absolutely devastated. And about a year after that, I was a, a speaker at a paranormal convention at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Beautiful place, yeah. Beautiful place, a lot of paranormal activity, perfect for that, you know. Yeah. And it, it was a biggie, you know. I mean, it's like a lot of the you know people from TV and all that were there. And I had just given my presentation. So I'm down um, on, on the floor in the conference room uh, signing books. Okay. And uh, in the conference room, everybody, you know, all the presenters, they had tables, and there was a number of paranormal investigators there showing off um, all types of equipment. So my, my manager, Rocky, she travels with me everywhere, and she was walking around looking at some of the paranormal equipment, and she's walking by this one table, and it's manned by this guy named Chris, and as she's walking by, all of a sudden, um, he, he's showing the spirit box, and she's walking by this, and she hears, get Mark. And she stops, and she said, huh? And Chris looked at her, and all of a sudden, again, she hears, get Mark coming out of this thing called the spirit box. Yep. Okay? And, and, and Chris is like, do you think he means your Mark, Mark Anthony? And all of a sudden, I'm hearing, Mark, Mark, get over here. And I look up, and they're like, they're like really emphatic. And so I'm thinking, oh, my God, something's wrong. So I go, excuse me, everybody. And I run over there, and just as I'm about to say something, um, I see the spirit box, and I hear, dude. And, 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 and JV, I stopped dead in my tracks, and I'm staring at this, and, and, and I hear, love you, bro. And I look at Rocky, and the tears are streaming out of her eyes, and she goes, Mark, that was Billy's voice. And I go, I know. And, and, and this whole crowd had formed, and then the spirit box had got all staticky. And uh, let me tell you, I almost fell down. Uh, I yeah. mean, and the thing is, he always called me dude and bro. We grew up in the <laughs> surfing culture of East Coast Central Florida, mm-hmm. and one of the last things he ever said to me, was at the Bangkok International Airport. I had to get back to the States, and he was flying to Singapore. I remember he came and he hugged me. He goes, love you, bro. And I heard the exact same thing come out of that machine. And and so, of course, at first I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And, you know, he's getting through. And then, JV, the wheels started turning. And one of the concepts that I write about in the afterlife frequency is spiritual synchronicity, how, how any everything that happens to us, is is part of a bigger bigger interwoven interconnectedness nothing is random and many times spirits maneuver things to guide us and to help us and then it dawned on me so the atheist came through technology and he was the one that said to me well there's no science and there's no technology right. to prove this right and and so that got the wheels turning and that's why I decided to write the afterlife frequency to explain to everybody. You don't have to be a medium, okay, because we're not all mediums. Some people are, some people aren't, you know, but we can all have an experience. And when we do, um, I want to explain how it happens, why it happens, where it happens, and how everybody can get the most out of the experience. If you're not a medium, 
How do you recognize these experiences, Mark? When do you know they're happening? I, I often relate the fact that I am as sensitive as a brick. I really feel like I just don't have that part of my being awoken or, you know, in play. I'm, 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 a, I'm a kind of a logic-based guy, and I, I can't get my head around some of these other concepts for myself. Uh, but I often feel like my both of my parents who recently deceased, um, I often feel like I am in some way getting something from them. I just don't necessarily recognize what it is. How do people like me keep an eye out for these things? Well, um, how much time do we have before the break? Um, we've got 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. I was trying to figure out that very question. How do I explain this? Because not everybody's a medium. You know, JV, you and I can get on a tennis court and pop a ball back and forth, but, you know, it's not like we're going to suddenly team up and beat Roger Federer or Venus Williams, all right? right. This is not going to happen. You know, I can swim. I'm never going to be a Michael Phelps. I can do math, but I'm not going to be Elon Musk, okay? <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But, but, but just because we're all good at different things, and just because some people may not be mediums, we all have the same basic physiology. And there's two receptor areas in our body, the solar plexus and the pineal gland in the brain, that enable us to tune into the afterlife frequency. So in the book, I go into that in greater detail. But I was trying to ex figure out how to explain this. And I was working in my office, and I just hit a brick wall. I had writer's block. I said, that's it. I, I got to clear my head. So, you know, I'm walking. I'm going to go for a walk on the beach because I live right near the ocean. So I'm going down my driveway, and I get these cold chills and tingles. I go, okay, something's going on here, and I do an about face. And I head in the opposite direction on, towards this bike path. So I figure, okay, I'm supposed to be walking down the bike path, and I see these two objects glowing in the sun. And I walk over to them, and I see it's a nickel and a penny. And so I go to pick them up, and I hear my mother's voice. You know, both my parents have passed. She said, if their head's down, it's bad luck. And I'm laughing, J.B., because my mother's family was of Italian descent. Mm -hmm. they, they have a superstition for all occasions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, my, my, my mother was born in Naples, Italy. I'm very familiar with the superstitions. <laughs> yeah, superstitions. Don't, you know, don't cross your silverware. God forbid <laughs> yes. you walk under a ladder, watch yeah. out for the black cat. and for, yeah. you know, if a, if a But then I hear my dad's voice, and he says, it's money. Grab it. So I'm laughing, and I pick up this, this penny and this nickel, and I'm looking at it, and I go, oh, six cents. And then all of a sudden... I go, six cents. Ah. And I go, okay, okay, okay. So, um, and then I'm feeling cold chills and tingles. And in my mind's eye, I saw an image of my father standing in the ocean up to his waist. My dad was a U.S. Navy SEAL. He also had mediumistic ability. He was a scuba diver and a swimming instructor. And I saw him standing in the ocean holding this blue raft, this blue canvas raft that he had when I was a kid, and I'm going, raft, raft, and then it hit me. Recognize signs from spirit. Accept the contact is real. Feel it without fear. Trust the message. I go, that's what they're trying to tell me. And I ran back to my office, and, and, and just like 10 paragraphs came out of me. Um, and it just, it, that was it. And so they gave me a practical example and then gave me the four steps how, and, and that's what I do in the afterlife frequency, is I teach people the raft technique, 
how to recognize the signs from spirits, okay? Mm-hmm. We can do that. And you even said it. You said, well, I feel they're around, okay, but I'll tell you where. All right. Then you got to accept that as real, all right? So when you start feeling it, and, and, and this could be like a situation like me, or maybe you have that dream where, you know, your mom and dad come and talk to you and it feels real. Okay, so you got the recognize, accept, feel. The third step, this is where people get hung up. It's feel it without, feel, don't think, feel it without fear, okay? Instead of feeling it, people immediately begin to cross-examine the experience. Oh, it must be a coincidence, must be a hallucination, this can't be real, and you start negating it, and that's where it all fizzles out. But once you go feel, don't think, that'll lead you to trusting the truth of the message. And this can apply not just to a situation like I described, but making sense of a near-death experience, of understanding a shared death experience, a deathbed vision when somebody you love is dying and uh, you're in close proximity, hospice care workers uh, report this, how they, they will actually see spirits connected with the person who's dying. Um, people have out-of-body experiences. Uh, if you go to a medium and um, you have a reading and you don't fully understand everything at first, applying the RAF technique can help you understand and get the maximum benefit out of, of the experience. And I realized that what my, my parents and spirit gave me was so powerful. Easy, simple, but very, very complex at the same time. But once you, you start working with RAF, instead of saying, well, I think they're around me, but I'm not sure. It's like they're around me. I accept that. I'm feeling it, and now I'm trusting the message, and it'll start becoming second nature. So that is how anybody can get the maximum benefit out of spirit communication. The last part of that, Mark, the trust part, the the part where we need to drop some of the barriers that we carry with us, are those barriers self-taught? Are they societally taught? Are they part of you know what our parents say, don't talk to those imaginary friends, they're not real? I mean, where do we pick up those hesitancies? Um, all of the above, you know, it's, it's, and then they're all based in fear. They're all based in fear. You know, I mean, you know, we, we see in religions that they say, you know, mediums are not God. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, and, and I have people, you know, the, the, you know, religious fanatics love to cast the first stone and start quoting from the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, but they need to read the entire section, um, on that because um, a lot of people said that mediums are, are not a god, and they quote Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 11. But if you go to the same, same chapter and read verses 21 through 22, basically it says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word which the Lord has not spoken. In other words, truth is the standard. So in, in the, the Bible, when there's a reference to a prophet... That is uh, the term for what we now call psychic or medium. Then let's fast forward over to the New Testament, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 12. There's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. Um, To one is given prophecy, to another discernment of spirits. But one and the same spirit produces all of these distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. In other words, discernment of spirits, that's spirit communication. That's, that's mediumship. 
And then there's Romans 12, verses 6. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesizing, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. So, I mean, you know, when the when people say, oh, the Bible's against this, it's like, really? Look again. Yeah. Look again. There's a lot more passages than that. Those are those are two that, you know, we all have different gifts, you know, and it's how you use it and the standard of truth. And you brought up a very important point on the RAFT, the trust. In this day and age, there's a lot of craziness going on in our world and a lot of people saying, oh, I am receiving messages that I should lead an insurrection or I should put on a, a vest and blow up a marketplace in the Middle East or I should do this or I should do that. Well, those are not messages from, from spirits. Those are not messages from the divine. Those are the, the work of the human ego, which is edging God out. And because um, whenever people um, engage in acts of anger, bigotry, hatred, or violence, that has nothing to do with spirituality. True messages from spirits, true messages from the divine, are about love, healing, peace, and resolution. Because it's a healing. Think about, you know, Buddha, Jesus, they were healers. Right. Okay? I mean, you never heard Buddha say, start a war. <laughs> <laughs> what what the, what Buddha would probably say is perhaps we should give a war and nobody should come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so and and really you never heard Jesus say kill those who are different than you. Right. Okay. I mean it's just it it just isn't there. And so the thing is that's another component of the afterlife frequency is bridging the divide between faith and science because um we know from faith that the belief, whether it's, it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Native Americanism, um, people believe that the soul, the spirit, who and what we are, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and when the body dies, moves on, all right? And we know from the laws of, of um, quantum physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. We know from the science, from neuroscience, that the brain has an electrical field, and it's an electromagnetic field. And that is why I developed the term in the book, the electromagnetic soul, to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness, that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And so that when we die, our brain didn't create our consciousness. It merely hosts it, the same way your computer hard drive hosts the programs on it. Your computer hard drive did not invent or create Windows 10 or 11, which is coming in a few weeks, okay? <laughs> but it didn't do that. It just hosts it. So then when the hard drive brain crashes, who and what we are essentially gets uploaded to the afterlife frequency. Mark, does it, does it serve, does it, how, how do I ask this? When we pass and this electromagnetic soul gets uploaded to this greater uh, consciousness, does it exist? Uh, do, do we remain individualistic in that greater consciousness? Yes. Okay, so we remain we remain who we are, basically. Yes, individuality is a gift. And what happens, though, is that, uh, let's say that people who are gravely, you know, physically uh, or mentally ill, um, that's what dies with the body. Because people say, well, what happens when you, when you uh, commit, you know, uh, connect with a, a killer, you know, like a psychopathic killer? 
Uh, that's happened on several occasions in readings. Well, they retain the memories of what they did, um, but they're no longer mentally ill on the other side. It's like um, people that may have been paralyzed or have some other type of disability, when they come through spiritually, they may um, come in and project that they had that problem initially because that's an identifier, but then when they display or give me this sense of how they are now, it's, it's like there is no imperfection. Why? Because the electromagnetic soul is pure energy. Energy doesn't get sick, it doesn't get tired, it doesn't get old, it doesn't die. And so when we die, think of your EMS, your electromagnetic soul, as a drop of water that plunges into this eternal sea of souls. I call that the collective consciousness. So now you're interconnected with other spirits that are connected with other spirits. You're, you're part of this vast intelligence. But you maintain your individuality and you can disconnect from the collective or, or just adjust your frequency to visit us, communicate with us, and, and uh, interface with our lower, slower material world. We're talking with Mark Anthony. Mark has been on the program before. We're happy to have him back. He's a psychic. He's a lawyer. He's a best-selling author. And uh, his new book is called The Afterlife Frequency, The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. We're going to take a quick break when we come back more with Mark. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality. I'm JV. Thank you for being here. We've got a great guest tonight. Mark Anthony is with us again. It's been a few years since Mark has been here. He's been very busy since, and we're talking about his new book. It's called The Afterlife Frequency, The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. There's also a website you can go to. It's afterlifefrequency.com. Mark, there's so many ways we can go with this conversation, but I want to talk about near-death experiences a little bit because you've touched on them a couple times in answers to other questions, but how important are near-death experiences to your work and studying them, and uh, what do they mean to the folks that have them, and what do they mean to the folks who hear the stories about them? Near-death experiences are, are um, so crucial to our understanding survival of consciousness. They've been documented for thousands of years. Um, there, there are several accounts in the Bible, like Jacob's Ladder and uh, um, Paul being um, um, writing in Corinthians about, I know a man caught up in the third heaven. Um, I even think perhaps uh, Jonah and the whale may be a metaphor about, about dying and then coming back to life. And so these baffled religious leaders and medical professionals for thousands of years, because people would die, and then all of a sudden they'd come back to life with these, these tales of going through a tunnel into a bright light and encountering loved ones that have died. And so nobody knew what to call these resurrections until the 1970s when Dr. Raymond Moody coined the term near-death experience. Which really makes a lot of sense, because you get as near to dying to not coming back as possible. And so over the past, you know, 50 years now, pretty much, we have had um, the scientific method applied to this phenomenon, so we have objective observation. And we found that drugs are not a factor. It doesn't matter what your gender, your, your race your socioeconomic status, your, um, what you believe in. Um, I mean, there's now a worldwide database through NDERF, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I mean, 
the same phenomenon is reported in Iran as it is in Russia, as it is in Japan, in South America, in Western Europe, the United States. I mean, it doesn't matter, the same phenomenon. So once we begin studying near-death experiences, and that's one of the reasons that I um, incorporated those into my book. Plus, I, I had an NDE when I was four years old, and, and it had a profound impact on my life. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I write about it in, in the afterlife frequency. And so that's why I see the similarities between NDEs and mediumships and deathbed visions. And uh, NDEs are important to the people who have them because they are, they are life-changing. People that return from a near-death experience, they lose their fear of death. Now, it doesn't mean they necessarily want to go you know, and die, but right. they lose their fear of death. They all... We all believe everything is interconnected, and I think, and, and I believe with every fiber of my being, it's what I was discussing, how everything on the subatomic level is electromagnetic energy. It's because they become that during this experience, and so you get it. They're, the people that have them tend to be more peaceful, uh, and people tend to... to um, it, it's even been said by Nancy Evans Bush. She used to be the president of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, that most um, near-death experiencers don't think there's a God. They know. And that applies to atheists. <laughs> <laughs> the atheists have a near-death experience. They come back and say, eh, I was wrong about that. Yeah. Okay. So, so they're, they're very important because now we're able to objectively uh, study um, survival of consciousness. Um, you know, does does um, the electromagnetic soul, does our consciousness exist beyond beyond the body? And yes, it does. I have to ask you about something the book explores, because again, a personal experience makes me very curious about it. Uh, but you talk about deathbed visions. And as I mentioned, my parents passed away. I was with my mom. Uh, she spent a lot of time in the hospital before she passed. And she had these visions. She had a lot of these visions. She was seeing people, some she knew, some she didn't. Mark, what was she seeing? Well, I, I, I go into great detail about that in the afterlife frequency, but what she was seeing is her loved ones on the other side, and some of the people that she may not have known could be relatives like great-grandparents that she didn't necessarily know. Right. Okay, but they know her because they know people that knew her. And so what happens is when somebody begins to actively die, it's not unusual for them to start talking about um, uh, or, or inter interacting with spirits of, of their loved ones. Um, these have been passed off traditionally as grief-induced uh, hallucinations or side effects of the dying brain. But what's been happening is bystanders let's say, family members, close friends, healthcare workers, hospice members, start seeing them too. And that's because what's happening is the EMS, the electromagnetic soul of the person who's dying, that frequency is now interfacing with the frequency of the spirits, and those frequencies are now overlapping with the bystanders. And so deathbed visions are really crucial and fascinating part of near-death experience research because a DBV, a deathbed vision, 
becomes a shared death experience when more than one person is able to observe what the dying person is experiencing. And so then it goes from being a subjective experience to an objective. So in the case of your mom, basically these spirits knew that she was in the transition phase from our world to theirs, and so they were there to, to basically welcome her. So, it, I mean, if, if we had to boil it down a bit, it's, it's a, it should be of great comfort both to the person who is making that transition and maybe to the family that's surrounding that person. Absolutely, and for, for a number of reasons, one of which is a lot of times you know, people ask me, well, is my son alone? Of course not. Spirits are never alone. And so what's happening is there are spirits ready to greet this person, so we know that our beloved is not going to be alone. Secondly, the fact that there are spirits that have, have been deceased, or, you know, well, I mean, have been on the other side for some time, that is also proof that our, our soul is eternal and goes on. And it also underscores that when you die, you just don't disintegrate into nothingness. Because I think that's really one of the, the things that, that generates the most fear is that somebody that you love so very much just ceased to exist. Yeah. All that they were just stops, and it doesn't. And I know this for a fact. I mean, not only as a researcher, but as a medium. I've conducted, I've done readings for over 15,000 people. And, let's say, and, and in every reading, more than one spirit comes through. I did a reading for this lady last night, her parents, her brother, and like three other people. She goes, but... Are, are they alone? I go, look, I can see all seven of them, so I know they're <laughs> seeing each other. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it was kind of funny, you know. But the thing is, um, we, we don't disintegrate into nothingness. What happens is, and it's a very normal and natural thing, we confuse our body with our entire being. Yeah. You know, it's like saying that my car stopped working, so, so um, um, therefore... You know, think of your, your, your body like a car. When it stops working, you get out and you move on, okay? Mm-hmm. You're not the car. You're inside the car. So if I could, I've got an event coming up. Oh, yeah, this, sure. This, yeah, this weekend, um, Saturday, October uh, 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It's, um, we're calling it the Mark Anthony Hallows Eve Spirit Communication Event. It's sponsored by brightlive.com. If you go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com, go to the calendar of events, click on the calendar, and, you know, you get to the October calendar. And, and what I'm going to be doing, JV, is conducting spirit communication for the attendees. And, you know, when COVID hit, um, you know, before that, I was going on tour 20 weeks a year, and I'd be in front of, you know, maybe 100, 200 or more people, and I'd be doing readings on several people in the audience. Then when COVID hit, um, I was asked, well, can you try this on Zoom? And, hey, it works, okay? Why? Because spirits are pure electromagnetic energy, which moves at the speed of light. And and um, so I've been doing these events, uh, the, and, and the They've been very, very healing. So that's this Saturday, October 30th. Please go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. You can go to brightlive.com, too. You just got to, you know, scroll till you, till you see uh, my event. Um, but, um, yeah, we're, we're real excited. This is the second event with BrightLive I've done, and I've got uh, several other events coming up um, of this nature as well. I've got to ask you the pop culture question here. Does anything change 
in uh, in the work that you're doing, whether it's these type of galleries or just your private one-on-one readings with people, uh, does anything change with the veil between our world and the other world this time of year, or is that all Hollywood? That's all Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, you know, because you know, I've been part of a number of uh, the veil getting closer, you know, because these organizations invite me. Here's sure, the thing. of course. Here's the thing. Do you really think that the entire collective consciousness, the infinite, eternal life of all these souls is dependent upon a Celtic, Northern European, strictly British Isles, Dark Ages, agricultural observation, meaning harvest. Right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) I think not. Probably not. Okay, but, but. What it is, think about it. Symbolically, this time of year, we're going from summer into autumn, autumn into winter. All right, we just had the harvest. Symbolically, this is life and death because, you know, uh, before uh, in our modern era of food production, people starved to death. Yeah. So, so winter was, was an analogized to death, and people felt that um, spirits would come up out of the ground and so they would carve gourds with scary faces to scare them away. And then people would dress up in, in, um, in um, animal skins with scary masks to go around to uh, chase away the spirits. And they'd go from door to door in, in, uh, in Britain, and people would give them sweet cakes. So this is where trick-or-treat started. Uh-huh. Okay? So, so this was going on. Then, you know, so, so that was in, in uh, Britain and then a little bit in northern France. Then, of course, the, uh, the Europeans come to America. Well, the Spanish show up in Central America, and um, they tried to suppress the Aztec and the Mayan uh, religions, but they couldn't. So instead, they merged Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, the day that we are um, the... Um, the Native Americans were honoring their dead. Mm-hmm. They made it coincide with the Catholic observance of All Souls Day, which is uh, November second. So, so this time of year um, in Central America, in in Northern Europe, and the thing is, in Central America, it wasn't November second when the Aztecs and the Mayans did this. The Catholics kind of cut a deal with the Aztecs and, and the Mayans, say, hey, why don't we just celebrate it then? And everyone's like, hey, fine, copacetic. And um, the skulls are very important. In fact, in when I was in South America, I was in um, o- Oyataya Tatambo, which is a Quechua um, um, village in the Andes Mountains. And this family was kind enough to invite me into their home to show me the altar to their relatives. And right there in their main living area, they had the skulls of their deceased loved ones. Now, at first blush, this could be horrifying, sure. but to them, they were honored that their their ancestors were watching over them. It's really cool because I got photographs of it, and then you know I was being very, very respectful of it, you know. And this is you know my capacity as you know quote unquote the psychic explorer. But this is what I do is to study these different phenomenon. And then I realized that, wow, these are the Quechua people. They're the descendant of the Incas. And so the skulls are very important, and that's why in Dia de los Muertos, we see the skulls and they sell the the sugar skulls and all that, because the skulls are representative 
of the of the spirits of your ancestors watching over and protecting their family. So it's not a scary thing, although you know it kind of looks that way. And uh, so by the 20th century, all this gets jumbled in with commercialism, and it's like, hey, let's sell candy and throw this big Halloween celebration in. Here we are. (laughs) I've often wondered, though, if because more attention is drawn to this type of discussion this time of year, that somehow we as as, uh, living beings are, are creating some kind of energy that might invite more activity is there any any thoughts on that i I think that's entirely possible that's one of the topics i do cover in the afterlife frequency i refer to those as frequency beacons and basically you're emitting an impulse when you're thinking about a deceased loved one and certainly when you're honoring them it's like uh, you know a spider web sends a vibration also you know something hits the web the spider knows well it's a two-way street and conversely spirits can emit a frequency to you i mean for example um, you know, you, you said that you pick up on your parents being around, all right? Have you ever done something where all of a sudden you felt compelled to turn on the radio when you're driving and there's that song? Yeah, of course. That's happens yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's a frequency beacon because you didn't, it, that's not a coincidence that you turned on the radio and there's that song that just touches your heartstrings. Um, and and so this is, is part of what I explained with the raft technique. See, we are... Spirits are around us all the time. Um, the question is whether or not we're listening. People say, well, that sounds far-fetched. But then again, if I said that there's invisible beams of energy around you loaded with information, that's radio waves. Okay, radio waves are around us all the time, and that's electromagnetic energy, and so are spirits. There's many different forms of electromagnetic energy. The only form that we're able to see with the naked human eye is light. So so the fact that we may not be able to immediately perceive something with our five physical senses doesn't mean it isn't there. You, we've talked about what happens when we pass and our electromagnetic soul uh, joins a greater collective consciousness. Do we come back at all, Mark? Do we, do we reincarnate? Do we get another lifetime after that? Absolutely. Every near-death experiencer, myself included, um, believes in reincarnation. And I know that rocks a lot of people's worlds. I give an entire lecture on the science of reincarnation. And, um, gosh, we could do a whole other show on that one. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people say, but I want there to be a hell. It's amazing how many people, I want there to be a hell. It's like, yeah, well, let me tell you something. You can reincarnate into this world, and it is hell. I mean, think about people right now. Think about educated women living under the Taliban right now. Yeah. Okay. You, you really, we need a guy with a pitchfork to stick us in the butt? Right. No. I mean, <laughs> hell is here on, on, on this planet. Um, and so I don't believe in hell, but I do believe in reincarnation. And, um, and, and there's a lot of scientific study on that starting back in the 1950s at the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia, okay? And uh, that eventually incorporated the International Association of Near-Death Studies. These are not a bunch of quackazoid, you know, woohoo granola people. And for all the quackazoid, you know, yoo granola people, sorry if I'm offending you, but the thing is we're talking serious scientists. And I've had the honor and privilege of, of meeting and working with a number of them and... The, the studies into reincarnation 
um, in in um, there's a, there's many many case studies that the conclusion is this could only be reincarnation. I mean, if you look at like James Leiniger and Om Seti and Shanti Devi, and we could go on and on and on, um, where where people remember a prior life that had only occurred maybe a decade or so before, and they are able to give with such specificity um, details about the family they say they used to be part of that there's no way anybody could make that stuff up or research it. So there, there is um, a tremendous amount of research on this, and it also doesn't necessarily violate Scripture because there are references um, to reincarnation in the Bible, specifically the Transfiguration, where Jesus brings a select group of disciples to a mountain and the spirits of Moses and Elijah appear on either side of him. Hello, mediumship. Yeah. And then the you know he asks the disciples after this, who do you say that I am? And they and uh, they say, well, some say that you're the prophet Elijah returned. Others say that you're John the Baptist. And Jesus said, well, Elijah has returned, but they didn't recognize him before he appeared as John the Baptist. Hold on a second. Elijah lived 800 years before Jesus. John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin. So Elijah did return, but they did not recognize him, for he appeared as John the Baptist. And there's a lot of scholars, Hindus, Buddhists, Christ, progressive Christians, spiritualists, we've studied these passages, and this appears to be one of the references to reincarnation that was not edited out of the Bible at the Fifth Ecumenical Council in 525 AD under the Byzantine Emperor Justinian the Great. So there is, is a lot of this in the more mystical aspects of Christianity. And even progressive um, Islam, the doctrine of Ma'an, talks about the returning. So it's really interesting when you see that um, reincarnation. It's not just for Hindus and Buddhists anymore, yes. but it's actually at the root of all the religions. The book of Job in Judaism said, Naked I left my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. Pretty heavy-duty stuff. Yeah. We only have a few minutes left. I want to get to this phrase that you use, and I think you may have touched on it too t already tonight, but spiritual situational awareness. What are we talking about here? Uh, my dad was a Navy SEAL. He taught me when you walk into an environment, wherever it is, be aware in a 360-degree um, uh, sphere, Okay. And talk to any cop, any anybody in the military, they talk about situational awareness. Be aware of what's going on around you. And uh, through the RAF technique and other techniques that I introduce in the afterlife frequency, I teach people how to expand this to incorporate the spiritual, the energy that's around you, okay? So that you're not just um, being aware of what is perceptible by your five physical senses of sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch, but now you're also incorporating the sixth sense to pick up on the energy of spirits and the guidance they provide, and it can and often does save your life. And the book, The Afterlife Frequency, helps people understand this, maybe employ it, um, Explain how they can better use spiritual situational awareness to, to, to help in this quest of understanding. 
Well, that, that then ties into the raft technique. So see, the way I wrote the book is each chapter, you got to start at chapter one, introduces concepts that build a, uh, that are the foundation for what comes next. And so by becoming more spiritually, situationally aware, you'll start incorporating the raft technique to recognize, accept, feel, and trust signs from spirits. And it'll, it'll get to the point where it becomes um, second nature to you. It, and it's the same thing when you're just working with regular situational awareness. Right. It takes time to develop these skills. But you need to learn you, I mean, I don't mean you specifically, J.B., but I mean everybody needs to learn when, um, when they get that gut feeling. Okay, women are better about it than men. Okay, because women's intuition. So for guys, we got to call it our gut instinct. Right, you know, right. yeah, yeah, that's more Samuel L. Jackson and Harrison Ford. No, we got my gut instinct. Woo, you know, and and the thing is, when you talk to um, military, they'll, they'll all tell you you got to rely on your gut. Cops tell you that. You know, police officers tell you that too. You got to rely, and and uh, you've got to rely on your feelings because intuition is is not is not a fluke. It's, um, it is detecting and picking up on these electromagnetic uh, impulses. And that can guide you to safety in many situations. And I give a lot of examples of that in, in my book, The Afterlife Frequency. And, um, you know, I found out it, it was released on October 12th, JV, and I'm so humbled. Um, it's hit bestseller status. Oh, wow. Um, Columbia University notified me that it has been submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, that one blew me away. And then um, in the last week, um, the film legend Academy Award winner Shirley MacLaine, a big spiritual icon, sure. major celebrity, in her newsletter, the Shirley Graham, I, I was floored when I saw, I recommend The Afterlife Frequency by Mark Anthony. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's humbling. You know? That's humbling, it, it, Mark. It's very, very humbling. Yeah. Um, very humbling. And, you know, I've always um, admired Shirley MacLaine um, because she went public with her beliefs in reincarnation yep. and psychic abilities. Uh, gosh, I guess it was back in the 80s, 80s, early 90s. And, and the criticism, yep. the flack she took, and she didn't, she never let it, let it uh, divert her from her own spiritual path. You have to really respect that kind of bravery, regardless of what it is. You know what they're what what people are doing when they when they talk about something they believe in, despite attacks they might receive from colleagues or other people, and they just do it and they stand by it. That's a, something to really respect. Absolutely, absolutely, Mark. Um, we have to we have to wind it up here. Um, I, you, you've written a lot. You've got a lot of great stuff uh, already published. This is obviously the new book. If somebody's unfamiliar with your work. Is this a good place to start, or do you recommend they start with one of the other books you've written? I think this is this is um, a good place to start because it it's it's easy to understand and it also um, educates and entertains. You know, uh, like I said, I, I don't I don't like boring books, um, and <laughs> I read a lot. I don't want to trudge through boring books. I didn't want to inflict that on anybody, and so. This educates, entertains, and, you know, quite frankly, it reads like a juicy novel. So. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, let people know where they can get the book and also remind them how they uh, look into your events, you, the one you've got coming up on the 30th in particular. It, it, 
please. Um, um, please go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. I invite you to sign up for my newsletter. Also, if you go to my calendar of events, I have an event this Saturday night, October 30th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It's um, uh, Mark Anthony's Hallow's Eve Spirit Communication, where I'll be connecting people with their loved ones in spirit. It's an online event. Uh, you can also sign up for a private session with me, and you can even order my book, um, which, you know, it's all there on my website. Um, the Afterlife Frequency is available on Amazon.com and at all fine bookstores, private and chain bookstores like Barnes & Noble, um, you know, uh, bookstores like Body, Mind & Soul in Houston, for heaven's sake, in Denver, East West Bookshop in Seattle, Aquarian Dreams in Florida, uh, the Phoenix in, in Pittsburgh, I could go on and on and on, wow. um, but but uh, it's it's on sale worldwide. But it's so important we support those independent bookstores when we can. It really is. It, it it is because you know I love you know I love the convenience of the internet and all sure. that. But I sure do like walking into a mom and pop store. You yeah. know, it's just it's just there's a good feel to it. It really is, Mark. Thanks so much for coming on the show again. Love having you here. You do such fantastic work, and it's such a joy to talk to you. Thank you, JV. I appreciate it. It's been such an honor to all your listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, JV, I look forward to coming back. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by JV Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.